As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This week on Dying Alive, the Penguins uh, are good again. They forge ahead. We're going to recap the games. One, look forward at the big ones we got ahead. Our first official thigh rubber of the year against the Boston Bruins is ahead of us. Mike's back in the fold. Dying alive. Get in your closet, guys, and dust off all your favorite Steve Levy and Gary Thorne phrases because the, uh, the NHL is coming back to ESPN as Dying Alive has come back to your ears, your ear holes this weekend. Uh, Jesse Marshall here of the Athletic Pittsburgh joined always as, uh, by my just wonderful friends and co-hosts, Mike Darnay of Pennsburg. Michael, good to have you back, buddy. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. How are you? I'm excellent. Pat, as you all well, yeah, everybody remembers Pat. Pat, you're uh, wearing a Blue Jays hat today. Yeah, uh, I bought a Blue Jays hat when there was that brief period we thought they were going to play in Pittsburgh last summer, and I wanted to support a team that might actually do something. And Is that then, true? Yeah, there was like a week-long period. Oh, where I remember. It, yeah, I remember. Yeah, where the Blue Jays to pit the yeah. They wouldn't. I don't know the if they'd have been. A, I don't know if they'd have been a contender, but you know they'd have been better than the Pirates. Which is it's high, guaranteed. It's not a high bar to clear, but <laughs> no, it's the lowest bar. Did, did you guys see the video I linked out on Twitter yesterday? I didn't. What was it? Oh, I did. Um, so, yeah. So there's, um, I can't remember who the player is, um, but he plays for the Pirates and he's playing down in spring training. Um, kind of just sums up all things Pirates. He struck out and got hit in the crotch with a pitch at the same time. So like he swings and it misses. was clearly going. It was clearly going to hit him the whole way, and he swung at it uh, and missed and got hit. And in had the he crotch. just taken it to the crotch? I mean, he could have just taken it to, like, the hip. The hip, but, maybe, yeah. 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 Yeah, it was bad. All, he, all, he, had, down. all he had to do was turn. <laughs> he just he just <laughs> let it fly. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. Of all the professional sports, like, getting hit by a puck's not fun. You know what I mean? But uh, I wouldn't want to get hit by a baseball. I wouldn't want to get hit by a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. That's not That doesn't sound like an enjoyable experience to me. Especially if you take it on, like, the hippie – even if you take it on, like, the hippie or ass – 
like the, the hip, the fat, sorry, is what I was looking for. The fat of your ass, that's still going to hurt. You know, and hockey pants are, are enough that like, you know, for the most part, you're, you're getting away, you know, with minimal damage. But a fastball, what are you going to do? Yeah, and, and you think about it, like, for someone like Shea Weber to get a slap shot up to like 99 miles an hour, literally every single thing has to go right. Like, he has to have all the time in the world. He has to get all of it. He likely has to get a skating stride up to it. And MLB pitchers are just consistently throwing in the 90s, like, every sure, time. Sure, sure, that's normal, right? So also, what I'm saying is, like, most Shea just, Weber slap shots aren't 99 miles an hour like that. Also, you know? in yeah. baseball, they can just throw it right at you if they want to. Yeah. Just wake up and yeah. choose violence straight from the mound. <laughs> that's honestly when I enjoy baseball the most. I, it's funny. I agree. I, I like agree. baseball the most then, but I could just do without it in hockey. Like, at hockey now, I'm like, come on, let's get scrum shit over like when zach aston reese you know threw that dirty hit and had to answer the bell yeah i, like, like, I live I for, for like the pettiness of joe kelly last year yeah that oh great. yeah that's great that face that joe kelly made was yeah <laughs> it's like i wish i could capture that personally for people i use it all the time to reply to people about things well, I'll tell you what, the last time we did a show, uh, the Penguins are coming off of one of the just crappiest losses they had all year long. 4-3, uh, they had melted down after a 3 nothing lead to the Flyers in what looked like it was going to be a cakewalk. They totally left the building, uh, checked out of the game, got the snot beat out of them in the second half, and they haven't lost since. Um, now, I'm going to mention that because you know, people are going to say, well, they're – it's just funny that we're, we're in this mode and I'm glad we're getting this discussion right away because they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. And now people are holding it against them. So, <laughs> so before it was, you couldn't beat anybody. And now you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And now you're not that good because they're not good teams. So you got to make up your minds here on which one it is because winning games ain't bad folks. I got news for you. Yeah. I mean, for, for the longest time, the consensus was we haven't gotten to play the devils or the Sabres yet, so we have a little bit of wiggle room, but now that's a bad thing. Yeah, it's the old uh, heads I win, tails you lose. They, you know, they beat, they lose to the the teams that are the class of the division, and everybody's lighting their hair on fire, but also saying, well, you know, they saw the time to stack up some points against you know, the Sabres and the Devils. They beat up on the Sabres, and people are like, well, you know, it is the Sabres, so like, what, we, what can we really take from this? Like, let's let's figure this one out here, folks. Remember when uh, Jerome Bettis called it? Remember when he used to call it in the air in the NFL? And in that Thanksgiving game against the Lions, he called it, and then the ref heard him wrong. Phil, Phil Luckett. Yep. And then they changed the rule that uh, you had to, you good to call it beforehand. I forgot about that. Coin toss city. Anyway, uh, yeah, and here's the thing. To your point, like, I, I don't personally care much about who they're playing as much as I care about, like, how they control the process they're in, right? And I think that uh, – I mean, you'd be crazy to not say it's just been better. I mean, I think that when I say process, I'm talking about like these self-destructive moments that they've been super prone to, the stuff that loses you a game, leaky goaltending, et cetera, et cetera. All the stuff from the beginning of the year, we've started to notice less. And I don't think that has anything to do with opponent because if you're even if your opponent, you could be facing, you know, 12 Pat Damps at forward and six Jesse Marshalls on D. That's the easiest team in the walk in the world. But guess what? If you just turn the puck over the whole time, we'll find one. <laughs> yeah, we'll get I, uh, one one day. I admittedly haven't seen a lot of what they played last week just because of life things. Um, but the fact that they're winning games in regulation kind of says a lot about 
the process, I think, just even from the little bit that I've seen. Yeah, and, and we, you know, we kind of talked about this, Jesse, with, with Josh last week about how, you know, aside from the the process of it, like, there didn't seem to be a ton of fight and pushback when they were in that little slump, if you want to call it a slump, but still. Um, there didn't seem to be a ton of, like, fight and pushback. That's changed with this process. Like, they're in on, they're in on every play. They're playing aggressively. Malkin's starting to look like Malkin again. And that's a huge, huge thing. And like, you know, like Mike said, winning in regulation, you and I went on a tangent about that. Like, you know, as nice as it was that they were, you know, even up games and winning in overtime, you're, you're, you're splitting points and not gaining any ground. Winning five straight in regulation, now we're gaining some ground. I hadn't gone out of my way to watch the Sabres because of, you know, obvious reasons. Why, uh, why, you know, why would you? Uh, well, they're bad, though. Uh, I don't remember what power play it was they had last night, but I think it was their first full-fledged power play in the first period. And the Penguins just killed it off without really trying all that hard. Uh, and they just looked so discombobulated. And then you had the Jake Gensel goal where they just let him stand there wide open. And that's a bold move on the power play to just let Jake Gensel have that spot. And he made them pay for it. But, uh, well, they're as bad as advertised, folks. They're- that is... That is a mess. They are woefully bad. Like Die by the Blade, which is a website I really like, Pat. They did a poll when the Pagulas bought the team. And it said by this point, I think like over a third of the respondents to the poll said the Penguins, the, the Penguins, the Sabres would have at least made a playoff appearance. Like that was almost the foregone conclusion. The other options are like win a playoff round advance to a conference final, et cetera, et cetera. Almost everyone was like, yeah, I'm not voting for this one because it's almost too obvious. And like, they're no closer now than they were then. Um, I saw last night or late early this morning, late early, I don't know, whatever time, um, Seth retweeted a Sabres banners account that uh, like makes banners to celebrate team milestones yeah. and random thoughts that are worthy of hanging in the rafters. That's their description. Um, so their tweet, um, yet last night was blanked by a backup goalie yet again, March 13th, 2021. I love that. So I'm, I guess that's a common occurrence. Uh, well, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised given the, the standings and the circumstances. Yeah. I think I, I, I might have the stat wrong. I want to say it was Dmitry Filipovich said it, or at least retweeted it after the game last night. The Sabres have been shut out five times this season. They have six regulation wins. Wow. Like, that sums it up. Uh, like, and here, like, I don't know how to fix the Sabres other than, say, get somebody in there other than the Pagulas to own the team. Because the Pagulas have risen the Buffalo Bills from the ashes into an actual contender and good NFL team that we're talking about in the AFC as this is a team that's going to contend for the next five, six years because of how good they are and how well run they are. But then you just go right down the street to the Sabres, same ownership group, and it's a mess. Some of the situations where – let's take Eichel out of the equation for a second. And like you know, Casey Middlestat probably is what he is. I, and I, I, I guess the point that I'm, I'm trying to like drive to here is you cannot, you cannot win in this league by taking a band – full of okay prospects and putting them all in the league at the same time 
without supplementing them with any means of like foundation. And then to further that, like when you have this realization four or five years into the process, signing Taylor Hall doesn't fix it. You know, that's not the fix. So that they're not any, and I, like I said it already, but like they're not any closer. They don't have like the super rich pipeline of grade a pedigree coming up through the ranks. That's going to like lift them out of the ashes here. You know, there's no army coming, right? Like you're stagnant. So you trade Jack Eichel and start over again. Okay. But if your process sucks, you're never going to get out of this, right? Like you never ascend out of this point. You just hear perpetually forever. When you, you brought up a good point in the start of that about bringing up a group of okay prospects all at once and tossing them into the deep end of the NHL. You look at their quote unquote rival across the border in Toronto and the way that they have ran their show over the past five, six years, that is going to be the model to success for the next, you know, 10 ish years, regardless of how good or bad they do in the playoffs. Cause we all know as well as anybody from being Penguins fans and the teams that we've had over the past 15 years in the Crosby Malkin era that it is truly a crapshoot. Like, you could be the most dominant team in the regular season and look like you're not going to get beat and then get swept because mm-hmm. it's just a total crapshoot. But the way Toronto built up is the way that the model has to look. You have to, I mean, obviously, part of it is luck because you have to get that draft lottery, first overall pick in a year where there's a franchise player, which they did. But then they built around it. They 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 stripped that thing down to the studs. If you were even remotely close to a productive contributor on that on that team, you were gone. You were sent somewhere for picks, prospects, salary cap space, and they just built their cupboard so so much that if one guy didn't work, bring up the next guy. If this guy works, keep him up. If he's good, keep him. If he's not, send him down. And they didn't bring Matthews, Marner. Nylander, all those guys up right away, they let them develop in the AHL. They let them get better. Obviously, Matthew's first overall pick, played overseas, came up and was great. Buffalo just decided, hey, we got this guy in the top five. On the roster, let's go. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Anyway, it was just... Well, before we move on, did you see last week um, what Mike Harrington told Ralph Kruger? Oh, yeah, it was bad. He, uh, He told Ralph Kruger that the Sabres were a disgrace in oh, that really? exact word and Ralph Kruger didn't really push back against it I he said that I, he said he will take that comment and accept it and take it as motivation to work better and you, wow. and, and fire and Kruger and, and, the, and the GM uh aren't going to really do anything just because there's just an inherent culture problem up there and that's their issue it's 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 not one thing it's everything together hmm I just you and you you know uh just saying this for Sabres fans, like you really hope like that team can stay there and like, you know, get some stability and pull out of it. You know, it's, I don't want to see a team like that move. It's got a history, you know, it's been around. No, they deserve uh, it. That, that's, that's, yeah. that's an unbelievable hockey, hockey market in in hockey fan base. Like they don't deserve what they're getting right now. Like, especially after you get somebody like Eichel, who is a generational talent and they're just wasting him. Do you think Jack Eichel is a generational talent? He's a franchise cornerstone, like uh, maybe yeah, generational talent. Maybe generational talent's a bit of a leap, but like he's a guy that if you get him in your organization, he is the guy you build around, and he's the guy you win with. And 
they're just completely balling that up and throwing it into the trash. Yeah. Um, so that takes us to uh, sort of the present day here. The uh, Bruins have two games in hand on the Penguins. They are three points behind them in the standings. And we're about to go into a Monday-Tuesday war uh, with the Bruins that imagine the shape this division takes if the Penguins were to win these two against Boston and kind of cancel out those games in hand. Yikes. I mean, the opportunity's there, and they look good. They look. I know everybody's going to say Sabres and all that, and you know Philly's been struggling too, but like... Like you said, Jesse, the process, it's been there. They look like a team that can do some winning. Now, I don't know if they're in the class of contender just yet, but they look a lot better, and I feel a lot more confident about this team than even I did a week and a half ago when we talked to Josh. And this is going to be, as we called it uh, in an earlier episode a few years back, this is the litmus stick. Yeah, this is the stick. This is the thigh rubber. Well, and they also um, have played better against Boston this year, I feel, than as a general assessment in the past. And thankfully, these games are at home because they can't win in Boston. I think they've played better in general against teams that have a bit of a, like a defense first approach. Yeah, like over the past the past two, three years, like games against Boston were ugly. Yeah. Right. Well, and or the Islanders for that matter. I mean, hell, oh, yeah. they just got eliminated to the Canadians. I mean, you know, he's kind of like that recipe sort of always seems to bite them. So how much of that do you think, Jesse, is kind of it happening two seasons in a row where like they lose to the Islanders and then they lose to the Canadians? I think that at least the way I see it, I want to get your thought on it is the way I kind of see it is they that forced them to look inward and be like, listen. When we play these teams that have really solid defensive structure, we have to figure out a way to be patient and to fix some things because we're going to end up in this same scenario again if we don't. Well, I would say you could go back and look at some other teams. The one that lost the Eastern Conference Final to the Bruins. Um, The one that lost to the Rangers in 2015. Like some of those teams just couldn't fight their way out of that system to save their life. And I think it's something that's, it's typical of the Crosby and Malkin era. You know, I mean, realistically, like they, they're going to win in a certain way, you know, unless they're supplemented with Phil Kessel and Nick Benino and all these players that are on, you know, uh, career level runs, right. (laughs) You know, they're, they're going to play the game a certain way. And I think that, you know, Sometimes it can frustrate them. Sometimes um, the stars don't align, so to speak, uh, from a fate and luck perspective on top of it. I mean, you know, the other thing all these series have in common, Pat, is hot goalies. You know, so probably ought to mention that, too, because that's always an element to it, right? And when you have a hot goalie, you can kind of, like, fall back on them and insulate on them and just not really try all that hard. Um, So that's certainly a piece of it, but... I do think it's typical of this group of core players as well to kind of get frustrated by it and play their way into the bad habits. Yeah, I I agree to an extent. I also like I still am a huge, huge uh, fan of Mike Sullivan, and I think me too. I, I th- I'm not saying you aren't. I'm just saying it's uh, you know I think for him, 
he's already a competitive guy, a fiery guy, an intense coach. And I think losing two series like that kind of made him, especially with the, the amount of downtime between, like, you know, that guy was watching every piece of film on like Boston, the Islanders, the Canadians. And he was like, I'm not doing this shit again. Yeah, and I think yeah. his his seat was probably getting a little hotter than a lot of people may realize. Um, and I'm thankful that nothing irrational was done because it would have been a mistake to get rid of him. Well, you know, the one thing I will say is that, you know, you, you've severed the, you know, emotional, romantic connection, you know, with a new management group that doesn't have that Stanley Cup bond. You know what I mean? So I, I think in one sense, you know, you'll get a real evaluation of him moving forward that isn't you know to some extent blinded by uh you know having one together so i think that's important i think that's a good thing and i'm not saying i'm not advocating anything be done with mike sullivan I, quite the opposite I, I you know i think he's you know a luxury in this league what i'm saying is is if you know team were to struggle or the wheel sort of fall off you, you know, probably could trust that Ron Hextall's going to make the decision that, you know, is best for the organization feelings be damned. Yeah. I also think I, I was thinking about this this morning as I was reading through our rundown and thinking about what we were going to talk about today. This is actually kind of a great position for Burke and Hextall to be in as the new uh, regime for the Penguins, because you think about it, we're in a, a shortened season. Things are incredibly strange. While the Penguins aren't quite contenders, they're also not a team that just yet needs to hit the reset button and rebuild. So, I mean, realistically, Burke and Hextall could just cruise through the rest of this season, see what they have. If the team suddenly gets really hot down the stretch, you can say, you know what, maybe we do take a shot at it and go for a cup. And if not, you can just say, all right, we're going to take the rest of this season to just evaluate, see who we like, who we're going to identify to keep, who we're going to try to move out, and how we're going to operate for the next five years. So realistically i don't think it was a lot of pr speak when those two guys were talking about oh what a great situation this is how happy we are to be here and the opportunity they have like as far as it goes for being a team that has some some great talent but also isn't you know uh a total contender like they can take this a good few different directions so that's got to be exciting for them I agree. Um, I, I wanted to take a moment uh, here to get into some personal stuff with you guys and talk about just um, you know performances over the last couple of weeks um, or last week since we've recorded. I, I mean, we realistically in this conversation, I mean, it probably starts and ends with this Malkin-Kapanen partnership. Uh, it's been producing a lot of points. It looks great. Um, where are, are, have we uh, turned off the panic meter on Evgeny Malkin in Pittsburgh? Is it is it officially time to shut her down? Can we move back so. down to stage yellow? Yeah, I think so. And I was talking with another friend about this earlier this week, and he's like, just in terms of the Penguins being bad and now being good, he said it's kind of just like they're getting good goaltending and they're getting good performances from Evgeny Malkin, which can fix a lot of problems just with two players. Yeah, he, he looks, and I think we, we've talked about it a couple times on the pod. He's a notoriously slow starter. He's rounding into form. Here's the other thing, too, right? Like, this is going to sound bad, but I'm just going to say it. This is why they have a hockey operations department. Like, how do you let, I mean, I think that any if anything, as time has gone on, like credence has been lent to Rob's story. 
about there not being ice available where Malkin was and the training issues that he was running into. How does that not get communicated to the team? I'm not saying he's completely, you know, uh, responsibility less in all of this. You know, I, I wonder if, you know, Kapanen's situation and getting here on time isn't different if they have a hockey ops department that's a little bit beefier and more sound. I mean, you just get the sense that, like, you know, th- this is one of the reasons why they needed somebody in this position that Brian Burke's in. Yeah, so, because so you can't you can't sacrifice this stuff. So you're kind of saying that those are the decisions that like poor organizations allow to happen, not the Penguins. Well, I mean, the Penguins allowed them to happen. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm saying they shouldn't have allowed them to happen. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I don't know what the correct answer is, but like, you know, do you think that like Tampa Bay would have done something if Nikita Kucherov couldn't have gotten ice? Do you think that they would have gone X number of period of time not like knowing what he was doing? Like, you know what I mean? And again, the visa thing is what it is because we're in a pandemic and who knows, you know, we'll never, you know, we'll never know. But I mean, you just get the sense that maybe there were buttons that weren't completely buttoned up and there were situations that uh, weren't addressed head on. I I can see it. Uh, I I think, too, it's just we have such a high expectation of what this team should and needs to be that we kind of lose the forest through the trees. Like they have a bad week or a bad couple days and, you know, we're ready to, you know, tear the whole thing down and build a friggin' strip mall rather than just be like, guys, we're on our way through, take a breath, relax. And I mean, I've been saying it the last couple weeks. I don't like the price that Rutherford paid for Kapanen. I think it was way too high, but the returns are good so far. Yeah, no, it was way too high. I 100% agree. Uh, two ways about that. Both can be true, right? It's not an either or situation. Um, on that note, I mean, and this sounds, you know, I love, uh, I love game score. It's, it's one of my favorite stats. Y'all know that, uh, Kapanen consistently now, you know, eking his way, uh, up the chart for the team, a top average game score on hockey, hockey stat cards.com. Uh, they have him right now on Dom's model listed as the fifth highest average game score on the Penguins. Uh, evidence of, of his of his impacts on the game, um, and uh, uh, again consistently creeping up that ladder. What's interesting to me, and uh, you know I talked about this a lot this week, was you know kind of how off script, you know he and Malkin have gone, and supposedly, uh, you know the uh, what we saw in Toronto and what we expected to be the issue here was more of a lack of like quote unquote hockey IQ or ability to go off script when in fact I've been eating a large serving of fried crow uh, in this household because the quite the opposite, uh, at least for this last little bit anyway. Right. And him being fifth in game score with the way this roster is built, that's about where you want him to be. You want it to be Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Gensel, and then Kapanen in that five slot. Like, so that's your, Top four forwards and your number one defenseman. That's about what how you want that to go. So, the more he rises in that, and the way he, the more he keeps gelling with Malkin. Like I'm, like he, like he always hashtags on his Instagram, happy cappy. Yeah, yeah. After what they gave up for him, they needed him to be in that tier of players, not down below three or four other guys in that tier. Right on. Uh, we're talking about players that are that that uh, their stonks are up. Uh, Chris Letang and Brian Dumoulin, uh, you know, this is the old, uh, GameStop situation here. You got to get in on this now. 
Um, man, I'm telling you, Brian Dumoulin, you, it's almost like they dressed me up in Dumoulin gear and put me on the ice at the start of the year. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I got hurt. He came back from like Maine and he was putting lobsters away. They put him back on the ice and you know, you barely could tell the difference, right? Yeah, he he's been, he is such a stabilizing force on this team that one he he covers for we talk about all the time he covers for so many of Latang's issues because he's just a steady presence and underrated part of Brian Dumoulin's game you've brought it up Jesse is he can move the puck like we think of him as a steady two way defenseman but you watch the way he passes the puck and the way he jump starts breakouts like that's worth its weight in gold. No, 100%. Um, I think the biggest problem, more or less, if I could try to sum this up articulately, is this year, specific to before the injury, it was like that turning ability, that quick pivot, like the ability to take it from you know, offense to defense or vice versa really quickly that was completely missing. And that's like, you know, now you can't keep up with forwards that are coming into your zone. Now you you know you turn the puck over, it becomes a much bigger issue than it probably should have been. Uh, all that stuff is problematic, right? So I don't, I can't explain it. You know, again, maybe it was like an in shape thing. I, I don't know, but um, he had time to figure it out while he was hurt. That much is for sure because it's back. Whatever it is, it's back. <laughs> Yeah, and that 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 escapability is what you're what you're referring to, Jesse. Like whether it's behind the net, uh, neutral zone with puck possession, getting away from an imposing forward and making a good pass, or getting the puck to a forward in an escape move. That that was very much always part of his game, and then disappeared after the injury, and now it's back. That's the big difference. We celebrate a continued uh, season of success for Cody Cece who unassumingly uh, just continues to go about his business um, in the quietest and most normal of ways possible. We juxtapose this news with the fact that uh, as of the recording of the show and about 10 minutes before it, we found out that Jack Johnson had been placed on waivers by the New York Rangers. So you always consider what the alternative could look like, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even, even looking back to last week, like I said, I haven't seen a whole lot of the games. And if there were major glaring mistakes being made, I would see them just in passing while scrolling. And I haven't seen a single word about him. No, last night wasn't his best night analytically against the Sabres. He had about, I think, what, like 18 minutes of even strength. I think got outshot at a three to one rate. But, you know, the Penguins are up. There's a lot of score effects in that. Um, there wasn't. You know, they, they kind of like cruised for most of it. So I'm not really inclined to take too, too much from that. Uh, but I'm like, I'm enjoying it now because now it's like a meme to me. You know, the new meme is talking about how good he is. Uh, <laughs> like, it's your, you know, your new, your, your new bit. It is. I think it's the new bit because it's it hasn't gotten old yet, you know. And it's don't get in like there's a self own going on here. Make no mistake about it. Like part of this is like a. Like when they when they when the Penguins signed Cody Cece, my first was like, why, like why did why did you do this? You know, like what's the point? And now I'm like, man, I'm like kind of glad they did that. You know, so well, he, hey, I'm I'm eating shit too here. Don't worry. Well, you brought up 
early on in the uh, talking about this the Sabres game last night. He made a play on the same penalty kill that you talked about where Bluger almost scores that a, a, a guy only a guy who's feeling it would make. Yep. So they get they get that that shorthanded chance, right? And then they just whip the puck back into the neutral zone and they're offsides cuz they're just they're whipping it back cuz they want to kill clock. CC backskates for about a couple of feet, sees a Sabres player coming on and just dumps it right back in. Yeah. Like normally a well, guy like that would would think like, "Oh shit, I got to wait for everybody to get on sides and we got to we got to keep possession." He was like, "No, like we're killing clock here. Come to me. I'm going to throw it right back in and we're killing eight more seconds off this penalty." Yeah, that's that's a good point. Like a lot of people say like, "Well, you can't judge confidence in the national hockey league and that's probably true numbers wise we don't really have like a data point for confidence but there are certain things confident players will try that other ones will not like if you're not feeling particularly great about your game your inclination more often than not is probably just to get rid of the puck as quickly as you possibly can yeah. um i posted a video i think it was last week um of one of those rangers games where cc like did a like a little reverse spinorama on the breakout and kind of worked his way out of danger. And, and I was like, you don't just do that if you feel like garbage and you're yeah. under pressure and things aren't going your way. You know, you, you've got to have the feeling to go out and try that stuff. So it's, it's noticeable to me anyway. Um, and I think that it's just another in a situation of probably a long line of them guys of being out of Toronto and that being a good thing. Mental health wise, I think for players that agree that could be a and being, difficult environment and we've talked about before being used correctly like that's that's such a huge part of being a successful defenseman in the nhl is your coaching staff deploys you correctly common sense deployment as it were um i have to be honest like the mike matheson experience has been pretty quiet yeah i feel uh, oh, good no so i was just say i was just agreeing go ahead mike I was going to say, I feel like the overwhelming good outweighs the overwhelming bad, and then there's a lot of just whatever in the middle. Whatever sandwich. Yeah, but like the the top end of good things seems to be more prevalent than the very low end of bad things. Yeah, it's been livable. <laughs> uh, it hasn't blown up in anybody's face. It hasn't, uh, there's been no meltdown. So I, I, agree, I would agree with you there. And then the rest of it, you kind of just like forget about right you have like chad ruido i feel like every performance he's ever turned in in his life has been like fine <laughs> just it's good yeah that's fine you know I can do with you know, that you know what you're getting out of him yeah and then like marcus Pedersen, you know it's has been what it is i still think i still just get to you know ron hextall has kind of said this too this week is like you know we may look to do a one-for-one one trade right that doesn't mortgage any of our picks, but takes a piece we have. And, and it's a more of like a hockey trade, you know, where both teams get better type stuff, you know, um, I could just get the sense like he might be the, the, the it in that equation, you know, it's the most tradable deal and de- yeah. and defensemen always fetch a pretty okay return, especially someone like Pedersen who is fairly young. He's on an affordable contract. He has been, consistent for the most part he's been serviceable to good and his time in pittsburgh so it's it's a lucrative player to trade for for anybody looking to build their defense and the penguins have a log jam so really like 
it's a shame that he's the odd man out because you want to have more. You want to have more for when you get to a playoff run and injuries inevitably occur. But the, with the with the logjam on the Penguins blue line and the way Pedersen plays and his contract, he really is the best option for them to fetch some sort of return. Uh, on the news of uh, you know Stonks and uh, buying and selling them, I hope you didn't get rid of your Jake Ensel stock. I really hope you held on to it. From the beginning of the year, if you panic sold it, I'm feeling pretty bad for you right now. Actually, I'm not. Shame on you. You shouldn't have. This is your lesson. He just keeps scoring. That's what he does. Every game. Yeah. The 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 power play goal last night against the Sabres, I think, very accurately sums up Jake Gensel as a, an NHL player. It was a patient goal where... He had a he had a good amount of time in front of the net. He made a smart play in deflecting it and didn't quit on the play. Like the kid's hockey IQ is just through the friggin' roof. Was well, dad's a coach? Yeah, and, I, I've uh, said I've said that before. You can tell he's a coach's kid by the way he thinks the game. Get the sense maybe he was created in some sort of lab setting, perhaps. <laughs> you know, have we considered this? <laughs> what's going on in uh, What's going on down in University of Omaha, Nebraska? That was the most Pittsburgh thing ever there, Jesse. What? Downer. Proud his head? What's going on, Downer? <laughs> Downer in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, what's, what's, um, what's he doing, Downer in Omaha? Yeah. Dude, they make them different down there. Corn fed. <laughs> I'll tell you something about Omaha. Let me tell you something about Omaha. They got this gas station down there called Casey's, right? It's a chain of them. They're in Iowa, too. They sell pizza at these gas stations. Is it better than Casey's in the South Side? You know what, man? I never frequented Casey's in the South Side. I've been there a few times. I wasn't my place. Um, no disrespect to Casey's. I went to, I went to Casey's when it was too crowded to get into Fatheads. <laughs> man. Yeah, that's a move. But Casey's always had, like, I, this is my perception of Casey's, and this is still my perception of it. It's like you go there, you become a person who goes to Casey's, and it's always filled with those people. So it's like a hard. I feel like a Casey's is a hard place to get your foot in the door. You got to like, know someone. like the same people who go to Jack's. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's but but I'd rather hang out with the Casey's people. <laughs> ten <laughs> times out of ten. Ten times out of ten. You could not. No disrespect. I mean, look again. Very fine Southside institution. But the idea, even of even at the age of twenty three, of going to Jack's was just burdensome to me. Just there's no breathing space. There's somebody's thrown up. <laughs> There's a fight. It's just too much. Um, where I don't even remember what the hell. The gas Casey's station in, pizza. Casey's in, Casey's in Omaha. Pizza. Taco. They have a taco pizza. Unbelievable. The best taco pizza I've ever had. I take, you find yourself in. I, what? I take back what I said about you saying, let me tell you what goes on down there in Omaha. But that, we, that, what just happened on this podcast was the most Pittsburgh thing ever. We, we went from, let me tell you about something in a different state to, actually, no, hold on, hold on. I'm going to compare this to something we do here in Pittsburgh. And, That's completely unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so what was your, what was your Southside bar? Um, it's been a long time. Um, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. It's been a while. Because, like, later in life, I went to Piper's. Right. I would say probably what Mario's. What was your drinking years bar? Mario's. Mario's was a big one for everybody. Yeah. Mario's, Mario's and yeah. Carson's, Carson City. Mario's had a lot of space. That was yeah. a big winner. Um, Mario's, was, Mario's and Carson City were both great places to go watch Penguin games. Smoking Joe's. 
Oh, it's a good place too. Yeah, I'm, I'm and with, they have pool tables. So I always like places with pool tables. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Darnay on that. Got Can it. we discuss our thoughts on Tiki Lounge? On what? Tiki Lounge. Never been. Pat. I watched a friend of mine get kicked out of there just because he wanted to go to the bathroom. I just like I just feel like I had so many bad experiences in Tiki Lounge, and that is a place that will really assault your senses if you're too drunk. It's so you know, weird. Like you, yeah, you get lost in there. It is very jungly atmosphere. You know what? It, you know what? It, you know what? I mean, I know this. I know the smell is obviously chlorine, but it it literally it smells like a hotel pool. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I agree with you. And it's steamy. Yes. It's very steamy in there. Yeah. Like like my but like there was a night me and a couple of my buddies were were out in Southside and it was past last call. My buddy walks in like obviously you can't walk into a bar at like, you know, two thirty when it's past last call. They're not exactly happy about that. My buddy walks into the tiki bar and he's like they're like, What are you doing here? He's like, I just want to use the bathroom. And he was like, Well, it's past last call and he's like do you want me to go outside and piss on the sidewalk? Like, I don't want booze. I just want to go to the bathroom. Dude, so many good nights. Pre-Uber, before Uber was a thing, if you were in Oakland, there's a good chance you were walking back. Like, you weren't getting a cab. Like, you were walking back to Oakland, across the Birmingham Bridge. Oh, like, yeah. I've that met, was a bad time. I've that made bad. that walk more times than I care to admit. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, anyway, uh, looking around the league, by the way, let's just acknowledge, I tweeted out, um, money pucks cup odds. Cause they tweet, released them for the first time. Penguins. Nice. 6.9%. Uh, which actually was like in the upper second, third. Yeah. They had like the, I, you tweeted it. And aside from the, me going, you know, six, 6.9. Nice. Uh, I was like, I was counting and I was like, wait a minute. They have like the fifth best odds to win the Stanley cup. Like I wouldn't. Yeah. A uh, lot of, lot of disdain for me, uh, for pointing out how good Minnesota has been. A lot of people didn't like that. Apparently it's not possible for Minnesota to be good. So you cannot watch them and just discern that you don't need to actually tune into the games or look at the data. You could just, Capri. You could discern who's good off reputation alone. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a, a method of evaluation we were using these days. Listen, but it's good to know that it exists and it's out there. Listen, I might start participating in that. Listen, guys, bow at the altar of Kaprizov. Just let I'm it, telling you, just bro. Let it happen. If you like the game, like if you're sitting here and you're listening to the show and you like hockey and you haven't watched him yet, carve the time out. Carve it out. Sit down and watch him play a game. Uh, electric. Absolutely electric. 
that's the other thing. I know that we're all conditioned to be like, oh, it's the Minnesota Wild. Boy, they're boring. Not anymore, guys. Not anymore. Really good at even strength. Goaltending is coming together the last little bit here. Kakinen's been playing his mind out for them. Um, so it's a different, uh, it's definitely a different can of beans up there in Minnesota. We have the twins on. We're going to get the twins on the show, maybe. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Have them fawn over uh, Nick Bugstad. Um, we mentioned Jack Johnson. Anybody, any Jack Johnson thoughts before we move on? <laughs> Score against the Penguins, get waved. I, I did see yeah. a commentary that it was probably Taxi Squad related, not permanent. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, most most of the waiver moves this year are just cap moves. It's not anybody being really demoted. It's just them trying to make room on Taxi Squads and and. And I think as out. GMs as GMs have a tendency to do, they kind of have been keeping their hands off one another's moves when they know that's the case. This will be a weird year, though, won't it? Um, you have the element of like scouting only including the same games against the same teams. Um, but then like the, the, the balance of power and how it works now and the structure and well, this and could be a boring year. Is and what I'm the saying. trade deadline could be interesting if you're looking at 14 day quarantines for crossing the border and the financial uncertainty that's coming, mm-hmm. you know, just for, as a result of this world we live in. So Yeah. You might not see teams as, teams as willing to take on salary. If I mean, they may want this player, but if he comes with two years with heavy term, they may or heavy salary, they may not make the move they would make if it was a normal year. Agreed. Um, before we do correspondences, what do we make of this ESPN news? I guess the nostalgic part of me as like feelings about it because, you know, I think back to being a kid and that's when I watched the game and, you know, my God, we're so far removed from that. You know, it seems like so long ago now it is so long ago. Um, I mean, I, I, I'll just be frank. My fear with this is that it's, you know, going to be treated like a sideshow act. However, they're investing money in it. Right. So you would think they're, they have a vested interest in making this work. Yeah, and uh, all nostalgia aside, as somebody who tries to use NHL TV to watch some games, um, it stinks. And just in terms of, like, streaming quality and things like that, and the fact that the NHL's games are going to be picked up by ABC's and ESPN streaming platform, which works almost flawlessly when I've used it, is a good thing just in general from that standpoint. Yeah, NHL TV is... Uh... Not it's great. far too exp- it's far too expensive. First of Let's all, Let's start there. Yeah, I mean, for like, the year, you're and paying, I told what, somebody a buck else 50, that Mike, is it a buck fifty for the year? It is, and I mentioned this to somebody else that they they charge a lot more than other leagues do for streaming, as far as I know, and their quality is not as good. Yeah, uh, th- this is this is awesome, and there's there's two things I want to say on it. Is one, this is a blow to the hashtag. Please like my sport, people. Because, you know, everybody loves to throw out the meme of like, oh, ESPN doesn't pretend, ESPN pretends like hockey doesn't exist. Yeah, because it's the only major sport they don't have a contract with. So they have no reason. Like, yeah. uh, now they do. But at the time, they didn't have any reason. Like, they don't have games. They don't have rights. They don't have anything worth their time. So why would they bother with the NHL unless something incredible happens or somebody wins the Stanley Cup? Other than that, no real reason to talk about it. Secondly... 
there is a there's a part of this deal that is going to be a complete and total net positive for the NHL. It's not like the NBC deal where ESPN's exclusive. NBC was the exclusive rights holder and partner for the NHL for the last was it 10, 15 years or whatever. So ES or uh, NBC got complacent. You know, well we have the rights and we have the games, so you know, we'll do our post football Sunday afternoon game after we do the Winter Classic on January 1st and we'll have our Wednesday night hockey or Wednesday night rivalry or whatever and you know, how do you do? Wasn't that fun? There's going to be another partner involved. There's going to be another rights holder in the in the United States aside from ESPN ABC. So both of these partners whether it be whether that goes back to NBC for whatever they want to do for sports whether it goes to Fox Sports or whoever right they are going to have to push one another. ESPN's going to have to have like maybe a Thursday night like NHL whip around show or Fox Sports or whoever is going to have to have some kind of original NHL programming. And that's going to be good for both the NHL and people who want to cover and analyze hockey because you're going to have more places to go in the U.S. to talk about it now. You mentioned uh, the hashtag please like my sport people. Uh, you know the shift they'll make, right? It's not getting covered it's, enough. Or it's the wrong way. It's not the way they prefer. Or like, how dare this person have an opinion on the sport that I've liked for 20 years? Yeah. And, you know, like, and, and to those people, I'm going to say, like, listen, give them a year or two at ESPN, all right? Like, don't jump down their throats the first year or two. Because, one, they're going to have to build up a base of talent. Like, they're going to have to find people, whether it's internally or externally. And then they're going to have to figure out how they want to cover it. And yeah. if you are like me and like us on this show and most of the people that listen to this show – that you love hockey, you love the NHL, you want it to grow and you want it to be better and more popular, this is the way you do it. And when they do things that you don't like, chances are you are not the target audience. They're trying to go find new hockey fans to grow the game and grow the sport. So approach it with an open mind, give them some runway to figure it out and become another uh, another successful partnership for the NHL. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I'm not looking forward to, and I will say this just full transparency is Linda Cohen's outright Rangers bias that she flagrantly puts on display at every opportunity. Like, you know, it's funny sometimes and then other times I feel like it's, it's weird. Yeah, no, <laughs> but like, like I, 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 I would say, I would say more than weird. It's cringe. <laughs> there you go. The one thing I will say that like, I like about that in a way is the way that like the coverage of sports, professional sports has shifted like this idea of like, oh, you, you, you cover the sport. You can't be a fan. Like, well, how the hell else was I going to get into it? Like, I didn't, I didn't suddenly go, oh, you know, I, I want to be a sports writer, so I'm just not going to watch sports and enjoy it because I have to cover it. Like, no, like, come on, man. Like, I grew up, I grew up watching Against the Odds and One from the Heart. Like, they were movies. Like, of course, I love this sport. I was talking this week about uh, what was the '93 one called? I already forgot. Uh. No, that it wasn't one to grow on, was it? No, I know, I know which one you're talking about, but yeah. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm googling. Like that's it. that's, that's, the, that's the one where Sean McEachern's playing guitar, right? Sean McEachern's playing guitar. Um, you have Rick Tockett making spaghetti. That yeah, oh, that, yeah. that's yeah. There, that was one I was thinking of. Rick Tockett making pasta, and he like drops a bunch on the floor. Right. 
Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I can't find it. It's fine. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Rick Talk, it's like, just this montage of him making this spaghetti right in the middle of the thing. And like the whole time, like he's just sitting there. He's like, oh, there you go. It's called Jake Coffee would eat about nine pounds of stuff a day. <laughs> and then like the end product is just the grossest looking spaghetti you've ever seen. <laughs> like honestly, like it's if you're Italian, don't watch it. It's called don't it, watch it because it, it it's bad. It's called a portrait so of courage. Bad. A portrait of courage. I'll tell you what wasn't the portrait of courage in the documentary is watching him eat that spaghetti. That takes a lot of courage. <laughs> yeah, he does. It was like you know how you don't drain your noodles enough. And then, like, you just – you get this watery red sauce. You know what I mean? It's more soupy than it is a red sauce. That was it. Oh, it was so, – it was – He's forking these noodles out of the bowl, and they're just – there's no sauce on them. It's just – It was terrible. It's leaking right off there. Oh, it was horrible. If you have Ita- – like you said, if you have Italian family members, do not show them that. They will have – Don't show them it. That'll don't kill them. <laughs> They'll kill over dead. Also, don't show them any of the TikToks of those people eating that pasta with feta in it. That'll kill them, Oh, too. my God. Just, no, dude. Why? Oh. Get it right over. Dead. Oh. Mike, did you come prepared this week? Did you, did you embrace your responsibilities? I did. Let's get in. Let's hear from him. I want to talk to, I want to, talk to him. the people people. of course okay let's hear from the people (coughs) whoa what are we woeing get that man a glass of water (laughs) you wound up for that one people couldn't see that on the podcast i just wanted to get on a visual show i just wanted to get away from the microphone (laughs) look like you're about to throw a 98 mile an hour fastball at me (laughs) you were gonna swing at it despite it coming right at your junk (laughs) 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 all right Whenever I was younger, I used to get in an argument with my friend Zach Dawson that I could hit like uh, 175 in the MLB. Sure, you could. <laughs> it wasn't a good argument. It's a bold, bold strategy. Didn't we have that argument on this show before about? Like, I used to be a yeah. I think we did. I used to be a baseball disrespecter. Noted <laughs> baseball disrespecter. That needs good. to be your Twitter name now, Jesse. Uh, quotation mark. Noted baseball disrespecter, Marshall. Anyway, what are the people saying, Mike? <laughs> okay. Uh, fresh off the ESPN commentary, question from Intelligent Dice. Best NHL on ESPN broadcast memory. First ever game I saw was Game 7 of the 1994 Stanley Cup Final. Became hooked for life. Uh, for me, it's a tie. It's either that great Gary Thorne call of Lemieux, one of Lemieux's last goals at Civic Arena. The here he comes, here he comes. Oh, yeah. Mario yeah. Lemieux, hang on, he scores! Yeah. And then the other is Gary Thorne when Sackick hands the cup to uh, Ray Bork. Mine would probably be not not necessarily like the handing of the cup from Sackick to Bork, but Bork, that game, the final game in that series, was it in overtime? Did it go to overtime? It didn't. I can't remember. They scored late. I don't remember the call when you know when they won was big one. Just Gary, I think just Gary Thorne in general. Oh my God! Now that I think about it, not uh, Bork is up there, but I have a friggin' shirt of it. it Paul Korea. 
off the yeah, floor on the, on the board. That's my, yeah. that's my answer. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you remember he just. Yeah. He, and he, didn't he had mashed potatoes and didn't remember doing it. Yeah, he had mashed potatoes. That's not. That's like when you toe the line between like smart and brave. You know. Yeah. You say like this is smart or this is like or stupid and brave. Excuse me. You know. This is like one of those moments. It was just like, dude, like, you know, you got to like, do it. Uh, the clip of when his uh, when he came to and his visor fogged up. Yeah. Ooh. I forgot about that. Because he, he was complete. He was completely out. Oh, yeah. Oh, the fact that he didn't break his neck is like a miracle. Those devils teams like I hate them. Scott Stevens. But they were so good, dude. He had like Sakura, Breland, Eliash. Well, the the off the floor on the board game was Sakura was still on the Ducks. That's right. Yep. Time flies when you're having fun. Next question is from Jeff. What historic Penguins generally? It says generally in quotations. So I don't know if that means generally Penguins or generally fourth liner. <laughs> would you might like to interview? Now I personally, I'm thinking like. Historic and fourth liner is kind of a um, – can't think of the word right now. Uh, if, we're, if we're going like guys that were on – Antithesis, Mike? Yeah. I, uh, no, that's not the word I was looking for, but that works. Um, <laughs> if, if we're going like guys that were on cup-winning teams, I would probably want to interview Cullen just to like – because he, he sort of kind of a journeyman – like, but he spent a lot of time in each, like, most of the places he went. Like, he wasn't, like, team to team to team to team. Like, he'd spend a handful of years with each franchise. So I'd kind of want to know, like, what that life is like in the NHL. To be moving around, to go to different conferences, different organizations, and and just what you pick up and what you learn and, and how that kind of hockey career is. Um, maybe somebody like... Joe Vitale, just to hear about his post NHL journey. He'd be a good probably one. Jimmy, probably Jimmy Pack. He'd be a great one. Yeah, I mean, like, really, like, broke the Asian American boundary in the National Hockey League. And and he was like, he was a solid contributor in those early nineties. Like, he, yeah, I mean, I know he's a defenseman, so it's a little bit weird, but I mean, it's either him or Troy Loney. <laughs> Maloney's around. Or Randy, how about Randy Gillen? Actually, Gillen would be I'm solid. Ch- yeah, <laughs> like yeah, we laugh, but Gillen would not be a bad one. No, dude, he was a. I mean, he the same. Like you know, talk about like guys who paved the way. Like Randy Gillen was a huge German player at the time. You know, like people forget. Like he, you know, it's one of the only German player the Penguins had. Tom Kunakel. No, I meant at the time. Oh, at the time. I, yeah. I was like, uh, we forget the guy who won two cups. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at the time. Um, we've got a question from Mike Neuer. A lot of people talk like to talk about their favorite beers. What's your favorite cocktail? Uh, he also says he expects a ice jingle here from me, but we got no ice right now. It's morning for me. Um, I don't drink anymore. I, I quit drinking in June of 2020, but if I did i would have a moscow mule i like a good rum and coke obviously i also like a good gin and tonic i'm a whiskey and ginger uh guy and i can be either or we can do either ginger ale or uh ginger beer both are both are great yeah Yeah. 
Morgan asks, what would Gino spend his stimulus money on <laughs> if he got one? <laughs> hmm. He's he's all of a sudden been getting into video games. Maybe he uh, starts up his own Twitch stream. Is he getting into video games? He's he's put a couple things on his Instagram story of him playing some kind of video game. Huh, I haven't seen that. Um, I was thinking like maybe lumberjack equipment because he was really into cutting wood in the summer. I was going to throw it back and maybe uh, fishing expedition. I was going to say fishing is up there. That's, you know, remember that video of him from after he won the cup with the dolphin? That was like, yeah, yeah. It's an iconic photo of Gino. Um, Zach T asked, and this is topical from something we discussed. Are we going to have to prepare for the re-signing of Cody Cece? His play this year has been nothing short of revelatory, but is he a long-term five or six defenseman for this team? Probably not. I mean, I would be fine if they re-signed him for one year, but if they give him term, it would be a terrible idea. Well, somebody stupid said it would probably be the Caps. The Caps would probably Yeah, like, like th- th- that seems like... <laughs> Washington is stupid. Like, plays, yeah. a, plays a solid year with the Penguins, and then somebody gives him, like, three years and nine million. How's that Justin Schultz deal working out? <sighs> Yeah, I, I like. I don't think he's played so well that he's played himself into a long-term deal. But I don't th- like if he keeps this up and they can give him like two-ish year, like two maybe. I wouldn't three, go past two. Yeah, depending on depending on the 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 AAV, like I could deal with maybe three. But yeah. like the way he's played, if you put him on an affordable deal to be a fifth or sixth defenseman, I don't hate it. It's just once we get into that idea of overpaying him because he played acceptably this year, that's when we might have an issue. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Capitals, Jesse Malecki asks, watching Penguins versus Caps, the Caps always look old and slow. Their best guys seem good slash great, but not elite. However, they continue to stay near the top of the East. What gives and do you view them as a threatening matchup to the Penguins in the playoffs or just a bad matchup for the rest of the East? They're, they remind um, me a lot of um, like those Penguins teams near the end of the Shiro Bilesma era where their top six is great and their bottom six is okay to bad. So in the regular season, they look like world beaters. And then once they actually have to match up against the team in the postseason, they might not be as successful. Right. They are not a good team when it comes to possessing the puck or generating a, like a bevy of quality scoring chances. They, they kind of have the talent, I think a little bit to outshoot their results, you know, and, you know, kind of get lucky in a sense or let their talent rise up sometimes, but uh, they have some serious issues. I'm not like super, you know, into what's going on in Washington. Um, They're shooting 10% right now at even strength. That is the second highest total in the league next to Philadelphia. So, um, you know, the Penguins are shooting from a pretty obscene percent too, but their process is better. So um, I'm not I'm not nuts about Washington. But, like, at the same time, again, right, like, they have the talent to be able to, you know, overcome a stretch of bad play. So in that sense, it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicholas asks early predictions on the expansion draft protected list. Oh God. Um, I don't have any, I don't, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I mean, for me, not even <laughs> crept into the remotely 
back part of my mind. Who's yeah, it? I am. I'm super into the Teddy Bluger thing, though. What do you mean? Like protecting Teddy Bluger. Oh, yeah. Uh, how about this instead? Well, maybe we can twist his question a little bit and still answer it. Who's somebody that you would be surprised if they decided not to protect? Do we do we even know the terms of number of people that are going to be able to protect? It's gonna, it's the same as the la- it's the same as the same Vegas as one. Time. The only difference is Vegas is the only team exempt. Oh yeah, I did see somebody pissing their Wheaties about that. Well, they, Vegas wasn't supposed to be good. All the other GMs I don't know, just Pat, like what if was there a scenario where Brian Rust ends up like I mean like that's like a no brainer to me, right? Like you would think, but who know like who knows what what direction Burke and Hextall want to go? And like we've that said, would be insane. That would be my pick then because that's crazy. That would be that would be absurd to me and. I think honestly, one of the people I could see them exposing would be Kapanen. Yeah, I mean, depending on how the rest of this year and time, you know, it could, you know, that could be a potential possibility as well. And yeah, Mike, I saw that person pissed off about that too. It's like you don't want to be mad at Vegas and the NHL. You want to be mad at the other GMs for letting them get that good. Yeah. Well, and GMs who gave them extra assets to take players who were good. Well, they came up with the damn rules. <laughs> You got beat by a system you created. Fair. You came up with it. We say it on this show. We say it. It's said on hockey Twitter all the time. The GMs run the league. Like it's not Batman. The G- GMs run this league, and yeah, and a lot of the GMs are actually the um, on the board of governors too. So right. So like, GMs literally made the made the game and and couldn't beat it. <laughs> right. It's like if the creators of Sonic or Super Mario, it's like were, Mario, it's like a Super Mario maker. And then you're just sitting around bitching because you put like a giant nine mile lava pit that you can't jump over. I can't get through this. <laughs> yeah, it's not beatable, buddy. Uh, Canadian Pens fan asked, "Would you keep the McCann Malkin captain line together when Zucker comes back, or would you move Zucker to the third line to try to lengthen the lineup?" I don't even know what this team's gonna look like when Jason Zucker comes back. Do we know when Jason Zucker's going to come back? Not in the regular season. I didn't think so. You don't think? Ron Hextall, no, Ron Hextall said this week it was a quote-unquote complicated injury. No. I, the last I saw was longer term, so that you know yeah. that literally could mean yeah. the end of the he, month. He kind of dodged it, Pat. How about that? He kind of dodged it and said, I'm not going to commit to him playing in the regular season. We'd like for that to happen, but it's something something complicated injury. So, Yeah, yeah that's classic dodge. Uh, Kevin Longwell asks, pick one full studio album to listen to for the rest of your life. All right, so my <laughs> studio album, I assume this rules out live albums and greatest hits albums. Yeah. Well, I can't, that means I can't pick the Mark, Tom, and Travis show by Blink-182, <laughs> which is a, gr- um, it's a great live album. It's goofy as hell, but it's a great live album. I, am th- I had two that I wrote down. One was Weezer's Blue Album. It's a really good pick. And the I'm other was uh, My Chemical Romance. What did you say, Jesse? I said I'm already sick of that, the Weezer Blue album. I can't take it out with me. Well, I, I mean, I, I scrolled through my al- my iTunes to see, like, and almost everything that I saw was either a Greatest Hits or a compilation yeah. or a live album. Um, the other was My Chemical Romance, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Probably go with 36 Chambers. It's a really long album. I'm, like, thinking of, like, all the genres I've listened to. Like, cause I'm like, I'm kind of like, I'm like you guys too, where it's like, I go all over the place. Eminem show comes to mind. That's a tremendous album. Like that's one of my favorites of all time. Uh, I might get made fun of for this one, but American idiot is a great album. Top to bottom as much as is overplayed as the, 
title track was. That whole album is great. Yeah, like that's what's coming to mind for me. Blink 182's yeah. self titled is also really good. Yeah, the the studio caveat makes it a little difficult. I didn't realize how many of my preferred albums were live or compilations. I'm taking I'm changing mine to brand new. This is the devil and God are raging inside me. That's a good that's a good choice. Final ones. So if I'm gonna be stuck on a deserted island, we might as well get fucking email while we're over there. And last question is from Andrew. It says, in the future, I plan on traveling to Pittsburgh to attend two games at PPG Paints Arena. Um, which classic Penguins fan establishment should I visit before and after each game? Uh, before we answer, Andrew, my apologies. He emailed, he emailed this to me a couple weeks ago. I meant to print it out and like set it on my desk so I didn't forget. Uh, I remembered to forward it over today. So that's my bad, man. Sorry for taking my time on getting your question on the pod. Yo, uh, this is just my opinion. You know, everybody's got a different thing they like to do. But if if it's pregame stuff, like you can't miss the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Like S O U P E R B O W L. It's a nice place to catch for the game. That was my go-to spot. I'm a big Super Bowl guy. Yeah, definitely got to go Super Bowl um, a couple hours before the game. Like you know, if it's a seven seven o'clock face-off. Yeah, get there at five. Go, yeah, be, get, yeah, get the Super Bowl at four thirty, five o'clock. Have a couple beers with whoever you're there. Whatever, you, if you don't drink, a couple pops, you know, because that's where a lot of the re- like regular, longtime fans go. It's a ton of fun. Um, shit, uh, I'm drawing a blank. What's the What's the bar that all the writers go to? Shales. Shales. Yeah. I kept wanting to say Shaler, and I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> Not all the writers. Not all. Some of them. Not all of them. <clears throat> and, and not your boy. <laughs> but but that... I, I I I will never go in shales again. No, I'm I agree. And I just like the thing is like, I don't dislike shales, but it's not my vibe. Shales is I, just decidedly not my vibe. I have I have grown up beyond going to shales. Amen. I guess that's I want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would I would say Pizza Milano, either before or after. Pizza Milano is definitely an after. That's that's an after move. Get that. Get a couple yeah. slices from Milano. Hell yeah. Milano is good. Um, Heinz History Museum, Sports Museum, is uh, in the Strip District. I'm a big fan of the Strip District. I talk about it on this show all the time. It's a walking distance to the arena, and it's safe. It's not like you're gonna get, you know, stabbed in the neck um, that's anywhere. I th- that's a very good non-food or beverage option. Yeah, if you if you could get so many different kinds of food or beverage down there that you might yeah. as well just you know open the whole damn thing up. And so. if you're uh, if you're coming if you're coming to a game right before playoffs, like in the spring or right at the start of the year in the fall, like get here early and just park in the strip. Park in the strip and take a walk up and down. Like it's yep. it's it is the most quintessential Pittsburgh thing you'll ever do. From, Not too far of a walk, but you get a nice view of the city. You get like. Free, you get cheaper parking, and when by the time – well, not by the time, but when you get back to your car after the game, there's no traffic because everybody else is up by the arena, so you get an easy way out. And all the goofy, like, memes and pictures that you see of, like, knockoff Pittsburgh sports apparel, that, is, all on the strip. that is the heart of it. Yep. All right. Well, I have to say, gentlemen, this is another successful meeting. <laughs> Of the Dying Alive Club. That's what we're calling our show from now on. It's not podcasts, yeah. it's just meetings. It's not a successful meeting in the club. Uh, 
I think this week uh, I'm going to spend some time talking about the penalty kill. So I'm going to shout that out. Anybody else got anything they're doing? Nothing hockey related. I've got between now and Friday, I've got nine baseball and softball practices to go to a Whipdill championship playoff basketball game to go to and a photo shoot of sorts to do. So I will be busy, but not with anything hockey related. The man go works. The man's a worker. Go get him. Uh, I just want to say thank you to my hockey team from this past season, Allegheny Badgers, 16U. Uh, it was a very rough year. Didn't do a ton of winning. Uh, you know, between COVID and them not have not being able to go to school normally for a f- full school year because of the pandemic. Uh, biggest hearts I've ever seen. They worked their asses off in a season. Would have been real easy for them to throw in the towel and quit and, you know, hang them up. But they kept showing up. They kept working hard. They kept being positive and supporting each other as teammates. And, you know, if, if you're not going to win, if you're not going to have a successful year in that way, it's truly one of the most gratifying things as a coach to watch the players grow as human beings. And they sure as hell did that this year. And I'm, I'm damn proud of them. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. This has been the Dying Alive podcast. <laughs>